Hello, this is Larry Dobrow, Editor-in-Chief of MMM, and I'm extremely excited to be a part of this episode of the Agency 100 Storycast, Storycast, a new podcast series which gives members of the MMM Agency 100 list an opportunity to discuss exactly what sets them apart. In this episode, we are focusing on HCB Health and how they are shaping the future in a brave new world. Today, we'll be talking to Francesco Lucarelli, who is the partner and chief commercial officer, and Mike Upchurch, who is the creative director of HCB Health. Francesco and Mike, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate it. We got a bunch to talk about, but in a very broad sense, we're going to talk about the dynamism of the healthcare marketing space. Um, Obviously, challenges are coming up faster than anybody had anticipated. I think the last two years, what we've been dealing with have a little bit to do with that. So we're going to talk about a big picture, and we're going to talk about how HCB Health is doing things differently and smartly. So uh, let's jump in with kind of as big a broad a question as I can ask you. And Francesco, I'll direct this towards you first. What do the two of you see as the two or three biggest challenges that we face as an industry going forward? Yeah, fantastic question. I think, as you mentioned and alluded to at the very beginning, a lot of folks have sort of felt uh, the gut punch of the pandemic, uh, have kind of pulled through that. And now the instinct is to, to be reactionary. So I think one of the biggest challenges that we as an industry face and, and we as an agency are trying to get in front of is really being more proactive in nature, Right. Uh, easy to say those words, but what does that really mean? A lot of the things we're doing is looking at from a, a client perspective and client engagement perspective, you know, let's sort of set the past behind us as best, as best we can and really start to look out across the market into the future to say, what is it now that has changed due to some of these pandemic shifts? You know, what does the engagement model look like that might be differently? Uh, a lot of our clients are in the pre-commercial phase. So now they're faced with, okay, what does it take now to go to market that may have been slightly different when you were going to market, say, two and three years in the past? So a lot of it is that proactive nature of starting with the end in mind, saying if this is what good looks like at a launch date or at a post-commercial phase, what are those steps that we need to take to get there now? And how are those steps differently, or excuse me, different than what it was a few years ago? So it's a bit of, you know, the end in mind, but it's also changing the rules of the playbook slightly. Mike, what do you think? What are some of the challenges that are top of mind for you? I think... Creatively, one of the first challenges that comes to mind is everyone, regardless of size, is asking agencies to do more with less. And because they're having to spread budgets wider, there are greater competitive pressures on those budgets. And so uh, we've always had to be efficient, but now we're having to be uh, creative about getting creative and being really smart very early on, like Francesco said, very early on in a product lifecycle, even pre-commercial for the company itself, let alone pre-launch for the product, being very smart about setting up that creative and what problem is it going to solve and being really smart about what creative does and doesn't do. Because I think agencies are being asked to do more with less, there is a tendency to ask creative to do too much, right? To ask creative to both interest audiences and educate. And that's not really creative's job. The the initiatives, the tactics, the messages, they educate. The creative is there to create intrigue and credibility. And so doing that in a really focused, sensitive, empathic way is what I think brands need need to do. And that that requires a bit of a nuanced shift in mindset, I think. 
Let's go back a little bit here. Um, HCB Health's been doing this for a while. What do you think, and I think this will touch on some of the things you've both already said, but what are some of the keys? What are some of the secrets to have kept an independent agency like HCB Health doing so well for you know two decades now? You know, certainly, this is not an industry that there's a ton of longevity that way. Agencies merge, they disappear, they go back, they go forth. HCB's been around and succeeding and independent for a long time. Give me, uh, give me the secret sauce here. Wow. Uh- Again, Larry, it's a fantastic question. I, I, I'm a rule of three guys. So I'm always like, there's three things for everything. I think uh, maybe it's just because my simple mind, that's how I remember things. But um, to me, the answer to that really comes down to, to three P's. Um, and when we think about marketing communications, it's always you know patient provider and practitioner or payer. Um, but here, I think it's people, process, passion. Um, you know, We've done a really uh, nimble job with, with people, uh, with talent acquisition, with talent finding, um, you know, Mike, myself, a lot of us have huge backgrounds behind us where, you know, I'll take myself personally, came from big pharma, came from big agency. So we've got that, that background and passion that covers all, or excuse me, background that covers a lot of different stages of the game. And, and we've come to find something different. So, we, we really seek out folks that have a diverse background, that have a, a, a senior tenured background, but, but want to be part of, you know, this indie feel, want to be part of kind of the, the fiercely, you know, upstart. We still keep that kind of entrepreneurial, aggressive, bold mentality. On the passion side of it, I think those two things go hand in hand. A lot of our clients are emerging pharma, biotech, med device that, you know, we come to them and say, we understand the struggles that you're in. We understand the challenge, the uphill game that you've got. And, and we kind of, we lean into that. We lean into that challenger mentality and bring with it that sense of, you know, enthusiasm and that sense of passion of, you know, you got to roll your sleeves up. You got to get your hands dirty. You know, you've got to own it. And, you know, I think that is something that is a, a bit of a special sauce. Um, and procedurally speaking, you know, we've started now to move more upstream in our service offerings we are now, again, you, you heard Mike mention, you know, whether it's pre-commercial or even whether it's, you know, company corporate awareness, uh, we uh, have brought in a, a, a well-tenured group of folks that now bring to light the sort of consultative services in an early phase that is atypical of traditional agencies. And so I think when we sit down with clients and share with them kind of, here's our three Ps, here's what makes us different it's something that they really say, wow, okay, I, I can get alignment with that. You're going to be an extension of, of our team. One of the things that we were talking a little bit about, and the title of this podcast, of course, being how HCB is shaping the brave new world, the notion of a brave new world. Creatively, Mike, how have things changed? You already addressed it a little bit in terms of you know saying that we have to be creative to be creative. But um, what, what, are some of the, what are some of the things that HCB Health is doing to forge its place in this brave new world? Yeah, I touched on it a little bit. I think really at the core of what we try to encourage our clients to do is strike a balance. You need to be bold, confident, and humble at the same time because all of our audiences are more engaged than ever. And that especially includes patients. You know, patient consumerism was already growing before the pandemic. And I think this only accelerated that trend, heightened their awareness of their own health and their own health choices. And so you have to strike that balance. If you're not bold and confident, you're just going to disappear into what is a clutter that's more dense than than ever. But if you're not humble, then you overreach. You sound presumptuous to an increasingly aware and informed audience who can spot 
the BS better than ever. So encouraging clients to think of creative through that lens. And then I think also beginning to think of these healthcare brands as brands. I think there's been a lot of talk about that over the years, but no one's really pushed hard to achieve it and making healthcare brands, walking, talking, breathing brands that become part of our audience's lives. I think for patients, often we're slicing and dicing segments too much and and getting too too targeted and not speaking to them as those consumers and, and speaking to them where our healthcare brands can fit into their lives. And then with HCPs, Obviously, they're evidence-based professionals and they make rational decisions, but they also make emotional decisions. They're consumers like like anyone else. And if we make healthcare brands uh, a a personality that they find credible, relevant, and and trustworthy, it becomes part of their lives too and becomes part of their decision-making when they're choosing from an ever broader array of, of options. To that point, some of the new services that have been introduced by HCB Health over the last year, two years, five years, what are some of the offerings that you find are most resonant? What are the offerings that clients seem to be responding the most to? Yeah, there's really two areas, Larry. I mean, there's there's a number of new services that we've rolled out, and I think we continually kind of refine things, right? Going through the lab, you know, fail fast. Uh, I, I talk to my team a lot about we're more SpaceX than NASA, right? We don't want to sit and overanalyze and not move things along. We want to we want to fail fast, learn from mistakes, constantly kind of uptake and and get things out there quicker. But the two real areas I think that have been mission critical are one we've we've developed something that we're calling our Insight Factory now where we're basically have a methodological process down now where we can capture both the patient learnings from, you know, qualitative and quantitative assessments parallel with that of the HCP providers, partner with advocacy groups, partner with a leading, uh, you know, healthcare or Congress society, and then really develop not only what that analytics shows us, but then a process of building out rich content that's evergreen for those clients. That's a lot packed into one little brief explanation, but uh, (laughs) that's something that we're pretty, pretty proud of. The other thing is, as I mentioned uh, a few moments ago, is we've really geared ourselves as going more upstream. Again, my background, having worked at Novo Nordisk and Novartis and having worked on commercialization consulting, it's always been a passion of mine to get really upstream into the clients to provide to them sort of business analysis and and commercialization consulting. And so we've got a a group now that can get into those early phases of doing the work. What I would say, uh, you know, McKinsey-esque like service offerings, but without that overpriced uh, tag that that goes along with it. Um, you know, I'll leave it at that before I say too much. <laughs> Mike, uh, the same question. I'd love to get your response on it as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm much newer to HCB than Francesco, obviously, and, and newer to working at a, an agency, especially independent agency, where this or any sort of consultancy offering was not completely siloed off from creative. I, I get to work closely with Francesco throughout that whole work stream. And so I'm really getting exposed to new challenges and new information and new opportunities for, for me and getting a fresh look at how is this going to inform the creative downstream? We think we think of the creative as happening much, much later than that, that pre-commercial strategy. But the truth is setting those benchmarks that early gives us a much clearer view at that future state and what what our bullseye is going to be. And it also allows us to to pivot and be uh, nimble. You'll hear HCBers use the word nimble a lot. We have to be at our size and being independent. 
getting those kind of insights so early on really allows us to be flexible because obviously market circumstances change, many factors change. Some you can anticipate, some are going to be surprises. And, but if you have that really clear view of what the strategic imperatives are really early on, what the benchmarks are for all your, your audiences, what they expect, then as those expectations shift a little bit, you can move, you can move with them because you've got a, such a firm foundation so early on and you're not sort of uh, wor- working in the dark. And that, that informs the creative so early on. It really makes it exciting because once we actually get to execution, we're way more confident in where we are and, and what we anticipate the effectiveness of our creative is going to be. And Larry, if I can't anecdotally, Mike's, Mike's completely underselling himself here because I've been now 25 plus years and in, in doing this and I've never seen a creative, he and, and some of the folks on his team sit in some of these sessions and ask really smart business related questions. And then when I see them presenting concepts later on, tying it back into that, and you just see the nods in the room, you know, from people at, you know, C-suite level going, yep, that's right. That's right. And those are normally the people that, you know, we all know through our experience of this industry, they don't really get creative, but now when you're explaining it and linking the dots for them, it's, it's a beautiful puzzle to watch come together. And it's, and it's fun. I think the, the key to that is having creatives, the right creatives in the room for those those meetings and at that stage allows you to start to tell a story. And this is all storytelling. All this all this marketing is storytelling. And so if you get the creatives in that room and let them ask those questions, and I think that's why creatives can ask those questions if given the opportunities, because they understand storytelling. And what they're doing is finding out what's the right opening chapter for the story. What do I need to know to write that uh, gripping, engaging opening paragraph that gets the reader into my story as a brand. You have beautifully teed up the next question I wanted to ask you. <laughs> um, how, how, you know, some of those conversations, um, you know, whether it's with brand teams, whether it's with C-suite members or both, how, how do you encourage clients to think differently about creative? Are clients nowadays maybe a little bit more receptive to ideas that are a bit more bold, adventurous, smart than they might've been before this, you know, two and a half uh, year period that we've all been dealing with. Uh, I, I wish I could generalize and say, sure, across the board. But, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> Every one of them right. here is the exact same strategy. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, we, we, we all know, we all know the, the reality in, in healthcare marketing, especially in, in biopharma, the pressures on, on marketing to not be bold are great. You've got uh, a, a dense competitive space. You've got obviously the strict regulatory environment goes without saying. You've got always have LOE looming over you, and so the tendency is play it safe, pack everything with as many messages as you can, so you're always getting all your messages out there all the time. And it's asking, and like I said earlier, I think it's asking creative to do something it's not meant to do. Creative is there to create intrigue, establish credibility, establish relevance. So that then, uh, you know, hearts and minds and ears and eyes are open to those initiatives and tactics and messages. So first thing I always ask clients is let's stay focused on what this creative is meant to do. What it, It's a tool meant to do a job. Let's be real clear about what that job is. And then I think they're more open to being bold because then they understand if I'm being bold, it's about getting attention. I'm not being bold about um, a, a data point. I'm not being bold about my primary endpoint, which I can't, you know, there's no nuance there. The data are the data. I'm being bold about how I'm beginning my story. And I have more latitude to do that. And I think they also understand in this environment why it's so key to, to do that, because otherwise you're going to disappear in a sea 
of satisfied couples on a beach with a golden retriever. <laughs> a lot of people wearing like white linen and everything right. else, right? Yeah. <laughs> everyone looks equally satisfied. If everyone looks equally satisfied, how is your brand better than another? So exactly. we have to get them to think about standing out is um, it's table stakes. It has to start there. If you don't stand out, no one's listening to what you're saying, no matter how potentially impactful it is on outcomes or the market. No one's listening yet. They have to listen in order, in order to make that difference with your, your product. To that point, and Francesco, you addressed this a little bit earlier, analytics, what role do they play in creative development and in creative execution? I think there traditionally had been sort of like analytics are on one side, creative is on the other, and you know, ne'er the, tw- the two shall meet, right? Tell me a little bit about how the two are linked and how HCB Health has done a good job of tying them together. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're right, Larry. It has always been kind of the, the two shall not cross paths. And uh, that's always been a disservice, I feel, and in our industry, what we've been able to deliver. Uh, also, I feel that that too oftentimes analytics are solely looked at on the back end, right? It's, you know, what's your KPIs, what's your measurement, what's your impact, where, where are things, click-throughs, et cetera, which, which, again, I'm not dismissive of those. Those are all important Uh, What we've really tried to do, and again, it ties back into what I mentioned earlier about kind of going more upstream, is we've tried to fuse and and infuse, if you will, a lot of the upfront analytics, right? The prognostic sort of indicators, lead indicators, looking at data analytics from a perspective of how do we get into better targeting, better segmenting, looking at quant driver analyses, things of that nature to really get under the surface. And again, this is where I'm thinking like, back in my Novartian days of doing things, right? Of how do we get these plans late so that we can sit there and if I had to present to C-suite, if I don't have the numbers and the data to back it up, someone's gonna throw me out of the room. So we try and do that upfront as much as we can with our clients. And as Mike was saying a a few moments ago, this infuses the creative process with now, okay, I get it. Analytically, this is what we have to deliver. How do we bring it forward? I'll use the adage that Mike has taught me well, as has Carrie from a creative perspective, that creatives actually like working within a box. If you give them a blank sheet of paper, things we don't know what we're going to get. But if you give them the box, then it allows them to be creative within the box. And and I believe, and Mike, please tell tell me to take it forward, but I believe that those analytics help define what that prescriptive box is, and then it, it really fuels the creative fodder. Yeah, absolutely. It keeps us from flailing early, right? It gives us a firm foundation on which to start that that thinking, that dreaded blank page. If it's not blank, if we have a place to start based on really smart and and hard empirical data, right? A really smart prognosticatory data, as Francesco described it, then we're not we're not flailing early on. And then you go through the churn of all right, this is an educated guess based on the other educated guess of positioning. And now we've got to get it confirmed or declined by market research, which may or may not be a, a real world measure of how effective it is. Now we've really got a clearer view of, of where we need to aim based on hard, relevant facts of, of the market and what the brand has to accomplish at, at various stages. There's no, no one single objective. The objectives of the brand change as the market does. And so we know what that initial objective is and you know, I tell my creatives, it's ballet in a phone booth. <laughs> you 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 have that you have that box. Now you know what your your restrictions are. Now find the best way to break through them. 
find the best way, best, most relevant, credible way to break through them. It's so interesting you put it that way, because I think there's an assumption, not just in health marketing, but in marketing in general, that you know creatives, they don't want those guide rails. They don't want any definition. But I think in health, it's the kind of the exact opposite, right? I, they're essential. If, yeah. if you don't have them, then you're just setting yourself up for a lot of, uh, a lot of frustrating additional rounds, a lot of frustrating cancellation of concepts you thought were really promising and, and then wind up failing for some, what seems like some small reason that you could have anticipated if you had had more information earlier. And so that frustration can be creatively dispiriting. And the more you avoid that frustration, I think the better creative, the more great creative you're, you're going to produce because creatives need guideposts. Otherwise, it's all just uh, blue sky thinking, and it's not based on what the brand needs. It's just based on what motivates that individual creative and their, their personality. And it's not about our personality. It's about the brand. 100%. We don't like guessing, right? It says HCB Health, we give life-changing medicine a voice. And that is our, that's our tagline. That's our mantra. I think we could easily replace that with, we don't like guessing. Um, <laughs> and I think that's important, right? Because I think too often times in this industry, uh, we talk to ourselves and we're in these echo chambers of, oh, I think this, oh, I think this. And when you get four people in the room that keep convincing themselves that they think something without knowing it, well, now you've drawn your own conclusion. That's something that we we approach completely differently. Meanwhile, we're talking about uh, questions, answering them and everything else. Um, we haven't addressed one of the other organizations that are sometimes tough to satisfy. Um, MLR, Mike, uh, who's tougher, MLR or your uh, typical TV quiz master, whether it's Alex Trebek or anybody <laughs> else? <laughs> oh, I, I, Jeopardy was was way harder than, than MLR. <laughs> MLR is not fact-checking you in front of a couple million people. Uh, in, in, in real time, I've got a chance to look up and confirm my references for MLR. Uh, there's no, there's no signaling device where I have to, have to beat MLR to the punch. <laughs> Although it would be good if you responded in the form of a question in the MLR meeting. <laughs> Let's I, recast this podcast as an episode of Jeopardy, right? <laughs> I always have more questions for MLR. Um, you know, working with them sometimes I would imagine butting up against them. What are some of the strategies that has served uh, HCB Health well over the years? Yeah, I, I think what we've learned, and this is this is collective experience, but it's also, as I mentioned early on, you know, we we have the I will say blessing of working with a lot of emerging companies, mm -hmm. and oftentimes they don't have the full historical context of years and years and years of MLR, and oftentimes they don't have the full internal resources of having these massive teams. So I think what we've benefited from is, is truly trying to establish, and I, I stress the word try, but trying to establish partnerships as early on as possible, doing draft reviews, doing concept reviews, sitting down with whomever those MLR team members may be early on to say, here's our six month plan. Here's what you can expect will be coming um, and not hitting them over the head with all those late notices the week before. So um, you know, it's, it's just good common sense partnership. The, the earlier you can strike the rapport with them, the better, uh, the earlier you can lay out the foundation of what the expectations and the plan are, the better, the more you can help them and understand the way they want to see things, the better. Um, and then, you know what, oftentimes just a good 
personal conversation, getting to know somebody, you know, what do you do? Where do you like to go? Um, I I've, I've broken so many hard people in the past with understanding that they like to read good fiction books and okay, great. Let's, let's start a conversation about that. And, and wow, uh, a faster friendship has never been struck in before. Hey, we're all people, you know, sit down, you have a cup of coffee, you have a hamburger, you know, and, uh, the good stuff tends to come out. Absolutely. And actually speaking about the good stuff, my last question is one that I don't believe I've ever asked in an interview before, but I'm going to throw about that. Yeah. Anyway, what is this fast food Frankenstein about which I keep hearing when in the oh. context of HCBL? <laughs> wow. Wow. Where, where does once begin? Um, uh, I, I'll start. And then I think Mike has to give the historical analysis here, but I love that there's a history to it, like a superhero origin story, you know? Well, sure. <laughs> And it's 10 years in the making, Larry. This is no joke. So, <laughs> so as far as you know, and anyone else for that matter, Fast Food Frankenstein is the world's first only crowdsourced culinary mashup delight show that will be broadcast shortly. We've got a few episodes in the can right now, but the history of it goes back, Mike, to... Uh, dare I say, Captain Smokehouse. The Captain Smokehouse. <laughs> so more than 10 years ago, one of those typical late nights in the agency, tired, a little squirrely, uh, and also excited because McDonald's had brought the McRib back. And when you're in those circumstances, you look for, <laughs> look for any occasion to get excited about and to spark your creativity. So I thought, what would happen if you paired a McRib with a fillet of fish into a single sandwich. It wasn't, it wasn't my best judgment, but I had to find <laughs> out. So late at night with my art director partner, we, we did a bit of surgery, put those two things together and uh, filmed, uh, videoed it, put it up on, on YouTube, christened it the Captain Smokehouse. And when I showed that to Francesco, his eyes lit up, uh, and I think, uh, as well as his stomach. And he said, <laughs> we've got to... We've got to turn this into something. This is this is too intriguing. So we have it's gold. Uh, yeah, it's he said this is gold. It's gold, Jerry. It's gold. <laughs> We've embarked on creating HCB Health's version of, of fast food Frankenstein. So needless to say, we are open to mashup suggestions to any and all listeners. Uh, send in your ideas, and uh, we will be hosting guests. We'll have clients appearing in future episodes. We're we're, we're pretty excited about the uh, prospect of this until, uh, as I said, one of our cardiologists tell us that we can no longer do this. <laughs> as, as somewhat of an adventurous eater myself, I would like to volunteer in case any guest bails out at the last minute. Give me a, give me a call. I'll get down there and uh, we'll, we'll do this thing. Larry, you have an open invite. We can't wait to have you on. <laughs> yeah. Francesco, Mike, this was terrific. I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for thank you for joining me today and actually making this a hell of a lot of fun. This was great. Uh, thanks for having us. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. Thanks so much. Thanks.